0: Hello, hello, hello. Come one, come all. Bring your merry men, your, your fine... not maids. Maidens. There you go. Bring your fine maidens. Uh, it is L.D. the man, the first of his name, king of the Andals, the first men, and the Rhynor, lord of the Seven Kingdoms, and protector of the realm. Joining me here, he's been skulking about the Street of Steel it is my master of whispers and yours, Sir Michael Dannenfelser. Mikey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good today. How you feeling? How, how, how you like these chapters we got before us,
1: dude? This is good. So we have a uh, the Ned Stark sandwich is what I call it, because it's mm-hmm. two Ned chapters with uh, John in the middle. Uh, so it is a fun, uh, fun group of chapters. And, and, and so we're John in King's Landing a lot.
0: And John is very uh, net adjacent. So this is a bit like a sandwich. It's two pieces of bread with like a piece of cornbread in between it. You know, it's not the the break we have from Ned is not much of a break at all, really, when you think about it.
1: Very, very similar personalities. Yeah.
0: And very similar stories, honestly, to an extent of what they're doing right now. They're both getting settled into new surroundings. They're they're kind of getting used to what they've got going on and, and figuring out who they can count on, who they can't, stuff like that.
1: No, I think we'll get into this later, obviously. But I think uh, mentioning the comparison there, they are really uh, like trending in opposite directions.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was thinking about like my uh, prince or princess who was promised for this chapter. I was really like... You know, spoiler alert, I suppose, but um, Ned isn't exactly long for, for our world at this point, and he's no. not exactly shining right now, so I... It is really,
1: like, I, we'll get into that later, but I think it, it's, like, really telling some of the parts of this, of, like, the how bad he is, like, in it right now. Yeah,
0: yeah he's, like, it's almost like those, um you know i I don't think this is problematic i believe this is what those are called but those chinese finger traps that you know you were big in the 90s and right where you put both fingers in and it's like oh the harder you try to pull them out you know your finger gets more stuck you got to be calm and like loose with it ned like we're watching ned get kind of ensnared here and he is not i mean and that's what's tough is that he's getting close to stuff I don't know. I actually have that marked down for discussion later.
1: Well, why don't we, why don't we jump into the little breakdown then?
0: Yeah. The yeah. I was going to say, we might need to add um some kind of segment that's like the big talk or something, because there is a big, each, each section of chapters from here on out, I kind of have something that I'm like, let's take, yeah. almost I want to break it down like coaches in the film room. You know, what, what? what's our opinions on this?
1: Well, this is like, I definitely think this is like we're at a point where we start to see like what is starting to unfold definitely mm-hmm. so that is you know like you're saying the big the big thing that's going on right now
2: mm-hmm.
0: all right so our little summaries for this chapters uh like you said it is the ned stark sandwich it's ned five john snow four and then uh ned six so we have uh ned stark attends a or uh sorry ned stark questions Grandmaster pysel and uh gets closer to finding out leads about john aaron uh, John Snow is getting along better at the Wall, but a new recruit kind of throws things into disarray. And Ned Stark has a meeting of the Small Council before he follows a lead on the death of John Arryn that takes him to the Street of Steel. So, speaking of the Small Council, let's pull up our chairs now. Let's let's con- or, uh, not conclude. Let's let's begin our own Small Council. And take a look at these chapters. So uh, we start with Ned 5. And uh, Ned 5, he's he's kind of having a discussion with Grandmaster Maester Pycelle. But before we kind of get into the Grand Maester Pycelle of it all, there's something I wanted to bring our attention to. Um, this chapter begin. you know, King's Landing, it's beginning to get very hot. It's the summer. It's actually the end of the summer. So I think they even make a comment about how the end of the summer, it's kind of always when it's the hottest in Westeros. There's this line here that said there was no denying the heat. Ned could feel the silk tunic clinging to his chest. Thick moist air covered the city like a damp woolen blanket. And the riverside had grown unruly as the poor fled their hot airless warrens to jostle for sleeping places near the water. Where the only breath of wind was to be found. That would be most... Okay, well, yeah, that's the end of the part I was interested in, but... I really like that description of how miserable, king, you know, King's Landing is the biggest city in all of Westeros, perhaps it's, in
1: own world. It sounds awful.
0: Yeah, well, they, Ned's kind of dealing with an awful time, and he's the hand of the king. He's he, like right. one of the most powerful families in all of Westeros. Like, there is no air conditioning. There's only so much you can do.
1: Right, no one's more pampered than him, and he's like, this is
0: like not great. He's and not this is, And again, before we kind of jump into what this chapter is actually about, Grandmaster Picel rings a little silver bell and a serving girl comes over with like a tray uh, of iced milk with honey in it. How he are loves it containing ice in these conditions.
1: I wanted to bring
0: that up as well. Yes, where is yeah, where does the
1: ice come from? I mean, you know, like, do they ship it? Do they ship it from the north?
0: Is it, that it how can, that works? They can't possibly keep it cold, can they? I think is that a thing? From my knowledge, back in ye olden times, you know, you could like use salt to keep ice frozen. Maybe that's not true, actually. I think you used salt to preserve Doesn't
1: meat. doesn't yeah, doesn't yeah. salt salt. I had that backwards.
0: Yeah. What you'd really do is you'd dig like dank, dark, damp holes in the ground and kind of bury your ice, but there's no way to ship your ice in a hole. From the north to the to the south to the wall or I'm sorry, to King's Landing in these conditions.
1: I'm looking it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Next okay.
1: episode, we'll, we'll revisit the ice because I also am curious.
0: This is something that stuck out to me immediately. Literally in my notes, I just have ice with a question mark. And upon rereading it, I was like, oh, did Ned's Valerian steel sword, you know, become involved in this chapter? But no, it's
1: just... I, I will say, though, mm-hmm. I might have to try honey in, in a glass of milk like that kind of sounds nice.
0: Honey is good. Well, Ned says it's too sweet for him, but I'm with you there. I was very But Ned
1: Ned like probably likes eating like roots and (laughs) like and boar meat.
0: He (laughs) is giving off a big root eating of roots vibe. Like I I imagine chowing down on some some just a
1: northern earthy man.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I've used honey on vanilla ice cream before, and that was pretty bars. Sure. That's something, you know, but um yeah, so so Ned's kind of he wants to question ask uh, Grandmaster Piel questions about the death of John Aaron. You know, Maesters, as we've talked about before, they are sort of your um, you know your both your doctors and like your teachers and kind of your aides at the time like they they perform a lot of academic roles in the house. but I'd say their medical training is like their biggest leg up they have on your co- uh, your average Joe just because that's such privileged information at that time and that's what's kind of very interesting here is that i'm not exactly sure if ned knows what he's looking for i think he's just asking questions to kind of see what comes out of them
1: he's just trying to like get he he just like wants to see if anyone else thinks like there was something weird going on and like honestly he's doing a pretty good job of getting information but like he's like recklessly doing it and i think that's what uh, what uh, Littlefinger kind of comes in at the end and he's like, yo, you need to like chill with what you're doing. Cause mm-hmm. like
0: when he says that, everyone is a spy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Everyone's a spy.
0: And he says the only, like the most correct thing you've done since you've been here is to distrust me, uh, which is right for him to distrust others. But I mean, that's the thing is that Ned and you then know, he
1: immediately trusts Peter. He immediately yeah. trusts
0: Peter Baelish.
1: Like, well, right
0: after he says that. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's kind of wild if you think about it. Uh, the scorpion and the frog comes to mind. You know, it is my name. Right, exactly. Um, but what what else I think comes into play here is that it's not necessarily that um, Ned is naive. I think it's more that, like, he doesn't think a grand maester could be complicit in murder of the, of the hand of the king.
1: Ned's, Ned's biggest mistake that he makes all throughout the first book is that he constantly thinks everyone in King's Landing is going to be like honorable and like have the same values as people in the North. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what does him in. Is he like, he trusts that people, while they might want to fuck him, will not like fuck him without honor. Mm -hmm. And they do like constantly. So that's like, that's like what really like brings him down. Mm-hmm. but yeah so he is he's questioning uh Grandmaster Picel about uh lord aaron and you see like we said that uh pycelle loves his life of luxury
0: yes yes he like... really
1: takes advantage of that yeah he's like very different than maester lewin
0: <laughs> yeah yeah he's got he's got serving girls he's got little silver bells to summon them which which sounds horribly demeaning you know he can't be like excuse Absolutely. me ma'am he's just going like ding 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 um yeah but ned kind of you know just starts asking general questions like you know what was it like when the um when the uh hand died when Johnny got Pison sick yeah what was going on and you know he describes uh grandmaster pysel that it it kind of c- came suddenly he started not seeming like himself and then specifically once the illness took hold it like went through him fast and ned asks him he's like well you uh, dismissed John's personal maester. I believe Maester Coleman is his name. Right. And he was- Um, You know, like, what was that about? And Grandmaster Pysel gives a great, like, oh, I would never uh, talk badly about a man from the Citadel, but sometimes youthful hands are quite uneasy on brittle bones. He, you know, it's like, oh, I I needed to take over. I'm the Grandmaster. And poor Coleman, he cares so much about his Lord Aaron that I worried for his little delicate heart kind of very much so plays uh that card.
1: But he also Ned also comes right out and says like, "Well, what about like
0: poison?" Yeah, Anyone yeah, that's poisoning.
1: That People is, like to poison around here? Like
0: I think that's what you were referring to with like the uh he gets very reckless. Um
1: Yeah, like he's just coming
0: out and being like, "So I think someone poisoned Timmy's sandwich." Because right, that's, like, that's throwing out grand conspiracy. You know what I mean? Right. If, if that happens, somebody's got to get hung. Like there's trees in a foot. So right, this me- is
1: like killing the vice president. Like
0: <laughs> well, not only that, but like if Grand Maester Pycelle sent away Maester Coleman, which is very suspicious, why are you telling him you're worried about poisoning? you know and i right
1: yeah because like even if it wasn't him like he it sounds like he would have been complicit in this right like
0: yeah and what's great is that maester pycelle immediately is sort of like oh a poison eunuchs use poison that yeah he's like like, he's like women women
1: and eunuchs and by the way we got a eunuch sitting around here his name is varus like ned brings (laughs) up
0: ned brings up women so he can kind of float cersei in there you know and, um, right. and Maester Piso is like, and Eunuchs, you know, the the dreadful spider. He comes from a far off land where they use such things. Yeah, um, right. Which is very, which is strange. also like,
1: like the, uh, what is it? The, the, the King's Council, like just straight up, like just at war with each other, mm-hmm. like just blaming each other for shit.
0: Like, Grand Maester Piso has like an unbelievable line about how, like, every man has murder in his heart. Hey Mike, me and you, we're men. You have murder in your you you're looking to murder anyone, bud?
1: I'm I'm not sure I have murder in my heart now. Yeah, do I gotta
0: watch no, I my back? So. You know, I one day is the podcast uh, regiment gonna cause one of us to snap and stab the other? I certainly <laughs> hope not. According to I would li- think not. According to literally the highest source of wisdom in all of Westeros. Yeah, pretty much. He also has a line in here about how hot it is, that he's like, "Back at the Citadel, we debate the gods." It's like, I thought you guys were supposed to be like scientists. Maybe leave the gods out of this if you're learning medicine. You know, this.
1: I am into the Citadel. We need more Citadel content, like in the book series.
0: I would kind of like a Citadel like spinoff show. You know, a lot of a lot of confusion, masquerading, whatnot. I just don't that know. That could whatever. be kind of cool. I don't know what era you'd put it in. Um but yeah, so so he kind of shrugs off the idea of women. He points out that how grief-stricken um Lord Aaron's uh widowed now, uh Liza Aaron is, and also Ned kind of mentions that um Liza Aaron unfortunately brought the entire household, like the guard, the the Maester Coleman that was mentioned, all of them back to the Eyrie with her. Uh, so Ned can't question any of them. But I think that a very big, interesting point... From this chapter that I like, uh, or at least from this half of this chapter, is when Ned talks about not being sure who Grandmaster Pyceel serves, because in theory, Grandmaster is supposed to be like the most unbiased individual of all. He's supposed to be sworn to the Citadel. The Citadel is similar to the Night's Watch in some ways. Like Grandmaster Pyceel is supposed to be sworn to the common good, but as you pointed out, Mike, clearly he's used to and basking in a life of luxury and and of you know li- living it up in that sense and he he's got to be clearly somebody's agent and we know whose agent he is and-, and Tyrion Lannister figures it out for himself next book during his stint as hand of the king
1: well so this is actually one of my uh you know making the 8 mm-hmm. but I think it's a good like time to bring it up now is like these people who are in like king's landing or on the small council uh like that are like lasting through like generations like different kings and like kings that are overthrowing each other like mm. how do you trust those guys yeah. like the varies and the, and the pycelle that like we're there for the targaryens like mm. how do you how do you trust those guys in your in your small council
0: i don't know man especially you know as we know um Grandmaster Pycelle is the one who famously convinces the Mad King to open the gates for the Lannister army, telling him that he could trust the right. Lannisters, that the Lannisters have always been loyal. And again, like I'm, tr- I'm trying to think there is something and, and it's like kind of on the tip of my tongue. There is something in like politics or like in the Catholic Church that like I guess it's almost supposed to be like the Fed. I believe the Fed, the federal, you know, uh, the people who run like the economy, all that stuff. I'm not I'm not a Fed. Uh, expert but i believe they're like supposed to be like very you know unbiasedly like selected by this board so that there's not really like a republican or democrat of it all like grand master Paisel is supposed to be very sworn to like the good of the realm first and foremost going back to what we've been discussing about ned trusting him right away like Again, it's foolish of Ned, but in Ned's mind, like this man is is supposed to be kind of like the pope, like he's supposed to be there just to serve, you know, the goodness of humanity or whatever, and he's clearly, honestly, he's kind of the most tainted out of any of them if you think about it because Berriston Selmy's not tainted at all. Renly's not really tainted besides his own ambition. Littlefinger's extremely tainted, but again, it is just his own ambition, so you can kind of clay him to a sense. Um, Varys is a big wild card. He swears up and down that he's in everything for the good of the realm, but like Varys doesn't seem to scheme. As name me one like plot that Varys pulled on everyone.
1: Well, well, so like he is kind of running the Daenerys plot, but that's yeah. not like that is like that is a that's a pretty major plot. Like that is a definitely, is but like, like also. A, a, Freeziness plot that he has been working on for, like, over a decade. But, like, here's the thing. But we a, we don't like, know
0: if, if she's the plot. Or, well, I guess it doesn't really matter because we we talked about this last episode. It was a it, Targaryen. Yeah. It was
1: a Targaryen. Yep. You're right. So, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's interesting now because you're, like, looking and you're, like, especially in King's Landing, now you're getting in the mode of, like, what are everyone's intentions? Like, you start, like, you see how you get in Ned's headspace where mm-hmm. you're, like, what is everyone actually after, right? Yeah. And like, Varys is one of the hardest ones to figure out because Pycelle, you can just be like, clearly just wants to be like in the pocket of the king, like just wants to. But not kill even the king, it's the life of luxury. He's all about the, the Lannisters. Lannisters, whatever. Yeah, he's whoever's keep, whoever's keeping him in in like King's Landing and rich, like that's, that's all he kind wants. of
0: what I'm saying though, is like why I think he's the most corrupted dash dangerous, is because like. If he was just sworn to the king, he'd be like, oh, well, that's kind of his job. But no, he's just sworn to this other family, you know, and the,
2: yeah, that, that right.
0: schemes to kill the king or to, I'm not sure. I mean, OK, also another thing that needs to be mentioned is that uh, his regiment for uh, um, uh, John Aaron when he was ill, he was trying to. Uh, oh, that. well, that's what happened is that um, Maester Coleman. He didn't want Coleman to leech him. Well, he was purging him with purging potions and pepper juice to try to get him to throw up, like, the poison. And Grand Maester, There was some like, interesting was like, concoctions. Yes, purging potion. I mean, that's got to be, like, epic. I was just thinking about that Family Guy skit, the famous one, with the Bleh! over and over. Right, over yeah, um, exactly. I like to think this guy was on, like, the brink of pulling John Aaron out of this poison, and then Maester Pyce was like, oh, poor old John Aaron, he can't. He can't handle any of this, and also um, John Aaron's last words come up in this chapter, which is the the seed will be strong, something that gets horribly misinterpreted. And I love how Maester Pycelle just lays into the misinterpretation. He's like, he was proud of his son. It's like no, that's, right of
1: Joffrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like that. No, uh, or Robert. Uh, Robert
0: Robert Aaron. And it's like that's yeah. not what was going on here. And uh so now- I
1: always forget that it is it is it's Robert yeah. in the book and Robin in the show.
0: That's what's very funny to me is that they thought they had to the change his name to Robin because they were like we have Rob Stark, King Robert, like if there's another Robert, people are going to get really confused. It's like, well, A, he's the one who sticks out the most. He's this little scrawny child. Right. B, also, it makes a lot of sense that during Robert's Rebellion, a lot of Roberts were being named by the loyal, or the rebels, you know? That's just kind of how how naming works. Sure. Um, but anyway... Especially he,
1: the guy, like, closest to him.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, so Ned leaves, and he heads back to his tower, and uh, the Tower of the Hand Arya Stark is balancing herself on like a toe. She's doing all the, she's beginning to do all of her weird bravose um training exercises. Something I find interesting here is that we get a great Dash classic Ned and Arya talk where Aria asks about Bran. We get a great little thing about how when the news from, from the North came that Bran was okay, you know, Ned led the girls into the godswood of the Red Keep and they had like a vigil for, for throughout the night. Very religious, superstitious bunch. Um, cultural, I don't know what, what, what you want to call it, but he, they have a great talk where it's, you know, the typical aria is like, well, what will Brand do now? And Ned's like, maybe he'll serve on the King's Council. Council. He throws out, maybe he'll sail around the world, which I don't think is really a possibility for a, a crippled boy in this age. Seems like a weird thing for a crippled boy. to do. <laughs> like his body's just going to be flopping around this shit, you know, I, I do know. He's not going to be able to help. Well, yeah, because then, that's what I'm saying, like, then Arya's like, well, can I do those things? Oh, he also was like, maybe he'll convert to being in the Faith of the Seven and then become the High Septon. Seems unlikely. That's a lot, you know. That's like me, Seems right it's unlikely
1: and also, like, doesn't seem like uh, like what he wanted to do. Hey, like, that's <laughs> what I'm
0: saying. That'd be like me just saying right now on this podcast, like, well, I could become Prime Minister of Japan one day. It's like, well, I, I sure. suppose that's true, but like, is it really? um and Aria you know she has her classic like well can I do those things and he's like no you'll you'll marry I he says marry a king which I always think is a bit of a mistype because like there's really one king yeah and the sisters the throne to him but uh and he's like and you can birth the sons who will get to do those things which is a real bad sell job from Ned or like right. doesn't that sound like fun Orya's like, you know, that's not me. He doesn't. He doesn't quite get it. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Now he's like, listen here. You can't do any of those things, but you can have sons that'll be able to. Doesn't that sound yeah. fun? And she's like, no. Um, childbirth isn't that great. Um, Ned goes goes up to his solar, he's in his private uh, quarters, and Littlefinger comes and visits him. And I think this is like a great, important um, part. And I think this is also uh, something that you can really only do in the books compared to the show. Is that Littlefinger lays out, you know, I believe it's four kind of suspects, not suspects, but people that are still loyal to John Aaron or were involved with John Aaron or were close to John Aaron that were left behind and are in King's Landing. Uh, there was a former like pot boy, which means that he was in charge of emptying the chamber pot, which sucks. There's John Aaron Squire. There was like a girl, there was a girl who was married to, um, there was a girl in his household who like stayed behind to marry somebody, then there was somebody else who got kicked out for for stealing, and Ned's like, alright, this is great, I'm gonna go question them. This is when Littlefinger, he kind of pulls Ned aside, you do a little schooling, and he points out to the yard
2: here, here.
1: Another, like, great cartoony, like, like yeah. cool guy thing that he does. Like, and he like... is totally on this shtick, and it's working for him, but it is a little ridiculous. And he's just like, you see this guy over here? Spy. Points to another guy, and, like, you can just see it just, yeah. like, panning over in your he's, head. You like, see that guy just, like, sharpening another... his sword? Yeah, yeah. And he, at the, at the exact moment he says that, like, looks up, right? And mm-hmm. it's just like... Yeah, he's just like other spy. This one's varies. That one's Cersei's, and he's like, "And I got a brothel full of spies." Like, and, and he's and just I think like, Ned's By like, the way, oh. "I also have spies,"
0: mm-hmm. and he's like, "You know," and and honestly, this is good advice from Littlefinger. Granted, he's like basically like you need to send somebody in your steed who then, um you know, can can do questioning because he's like basically look like there's not enough men spies uh, at, at Varys or Cersei's disposal to like follow everyone that comes and goes from you 24 seven. They're going to have people watching the door to see if you leave. And if you leave, they're going to follow you. That's how it's going to go. So he summons Jory right. Castle, his most like loyal man, his right-hand man, the the Robin to his Batman. Uh, And I like how Jory's personality is because he's in the first book a fair amount. It's just like a Chad. And you now it was just always like swords. We just like a dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: he's just a brothel. Right, right. He's like, right. So Ned, Ned's like, you and the men go like check out the brothels. Like, I can't be walking into brothels, obviously. Like, I'm the hand of the king. And George is just like, haha, brothels. The boys, boys will be like loving that.
0: this. Yeah. Yeah big, yeah. big one of those. You know, the guys are going to be dudes tonight.
1: Right. So, uh, yes. And then so Ned's like, uh, you know, Peter, like, thank you for helping me. Like, I don't trust, I don't distrust you anymore. Yeah. And, uh, Littlefinger's like, you should, like, I'm a distrustworthy person. Like, dude, dude, don't trust me.
0: When Ned said, (laughs) totally like warns him. Yeah, dude, when, when Ned says to Littlefinger, like, you know what? Like, Littlefinger, like, You've had my back this whole time. You're all right after all. I'm sorry I distrusted you. Littlefinger in his mind must have been doing like the icky shuffle. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, oh, oh I got this guy all roped up, you know? And, and this... then he he tells him, he's like, but
1: like, I am not trustworthy.
2: But don't that's what trust a trustworthy that's like person. That's his
1: leaving line. He's like, right. He's walking out the door and he's just like, don't trust me. But Ha-ha. that's what a
0: trustworthy person would do, Mikey. Like, that's how close he plays it.
1: This is why Littlefinger is awesome. Because he is always making power moves and always just making fun of Ned along the way.
0: As far as I know, that's, like, one of the only times, speaking of Littlefinger's being awesome, that uh, George R. R. Martin, like, really called out off and weiss like straight up it's i remember when Littlefinger just gives sansa to ramsey bolton for some reason in the shows he's like my little finger would never do that like that didn't make any sense like he's obsessed with sansa yeah Zeta. well that's a totally
1: that's a totally different storyline
0: in the mm-hmm. books mm-hmm.
1: uh with all that
0: so now we're going over to uh john four and this chapter is really all about the introduction of a of a new character very well known throughout Game of Thrones, uh, Mr. Samuel Tarly, and I'm kind of can. Can I just make a statement real quick here? Give book me your take s- on Samwell. B- book Samwell sucks. So does show Samwell. Sure. Okay. Uh, okay.
1: Uh, what is. <sighs> You know my thing oh. about show Samuel. He's always talking about the time he killed the White Walkers.
0: Yeah, but you know what fan. I? You know what I gotta and, give? And he's always bragging about it. <laughs> you know what I gotta give show Samuel though? He's got that one. See, this might be the one redeeming quality of the last season is when um, Samwell meets with Brand to be like, "Hey, like," and they're both gonna be like, "John's a Targaryen." This whole time. Uh, he, like, meets up with Bran. He's like, I remember meeting you down by the ward at one time. And Bran goes like, ah, yes, that was Brandon Stark you met. I am but a husk of a man now known as the Three-Eyed Raven. And, I love uh, Bran. But sam <laughs> just goes, he goes, oh. Like, that's his response. Very nice, yeah. dude." So
1: he's like, yeah, He's just like, oh.
0: Dude, yeah. that's pretty good. He is, I-
1: like, I, listen, I like when sam obviously goes to the citadel because i'm like that's cool like i want to learn about the citadel dude, the like citadel- so i'm in on that storyline
0: dude those guys were a bunch of bitches like they'd be like you know sam well stop talking pussies. about mysterious mysterious magical things that's the world you're living in bozos There's they're a-
1: supposed to care about the cool stuff and yeah. like and like it was so weird that that they were out on that and then sam is just like in in the show at least is like let me go just like perform this medical procedure that no one tries because it's so dangerous. Well, dude, on Jura.
0: that's the other thing. Someone I don't know. Like, that's, that's the other thing. And I love that we're just taking this aside right now. Like, we haven't even really started talking about John's chapter, if you think about it. I haven't um, done it at all. But, like, dude, the, if you had come up to me, Westeros DLD, you know what I mean? L of the D, will call me. And we're like, hey, man, this guy's got gray scale. How do we like? How do we fix him? I'd be like, "What if you ripped the grayscale off his skin?" They were like, "Well, there's there's this hidden dark remedy we we that might exist." Some it was literally ripping just peel that, skin that off. shit. Yeah, yeah. You it's, just it's,
1: peel it's, that shit off. It's I, like ripping off like sunburned skin. Yeah. It is like outrage outrageous medical procedure. And they're yeah. like, "But by the way, if you touch it, you're done for." Yeah.
0: Like, and and they're just like you know, oh, well, like if you. You know, no one's ever thought to try this before. Like I, I I have a hard time believing. No,
1: no one's ever thought to just like take it off, pull it off.
0: (laughs) Um. So also, John. John is sparring with Darren when um when uh Samwell arrives. I got to say this. I ride for Darren. Darren is one of the most under. He does not get mentioned enough in terms of great characters that were not in the show. Darren has a whole arc. I could tell you a lot about Darren. He he ends up going to Eastwatch by the sea to be a steward. He sure. then becomes a traveling crow and he ends up in Essos completely. They
1: gone. they do they do a little bit of like storyline on the guys at the wall a little mm-hmm. bit more. Like they kinda in the in the book, obviously, I, as opposed to the show. Like they kind of let you like get close to some of those guys.
0: And we talked or like
1: about, at least learn about
0: them. And we talked about a Citadel show. Um a wall show, which might be what the Jon Snow prequel right. series is, a wall show would be great. I want to see the guys at the wall. I want an episode. like You know how everybody gets mad when a TV show has like one episode out of the season that has nothing to do with the rest of the season?
1: just like a filler. Yeah. Yeah, Like
0: I want a wall game of Thrones TV show. And I want there to be like this action packed season and like right at episode eight, when everyone's like, Oh my God, like what's about to happen. It's just like, no, this episode's about like this guy, Joe Schmo, who's the farmer for the wall. And like, there's a crop shortage and this guy's got to figure that out. Like give me the wall, give me all the wall content.
1: I'm in on the wall because listen, they they could do a whole show and like never talk about like what's going on in King's Landing. They could just like totally not talk about what's going on, yeah. just do a whole wall show. Like it would be cool. It's always been one of the more interesting settings.
0: And and then also uh, before we get off of down really quick, uh, Grand or uh, Maester Aemon describes his voice as thunder dipped in honey. What awesome a descri- description? No idea what that sounds like sounds like it sounds awesome somebody told so me cool dude i would go it doesn't to a matter what that what that means dude, if i you don't ask, know what that means if you asked me to go to a concert tomorrow and i was like ah, i'm not feeling it i don't know the act and you're like dude is their their voice sounds like thunder dipped in honey i'm there i gotta see that yeah
2: that's main yeah. Event
0: television bro that's I mean, a band name yeah thunder, thunder dipped, dipped in honey,
1: honey. That thunder good. dipped
0: honey yeah yeah, yeah. thunderstruck honey I mean, that's that's got something there. Mr Raymond, he's got some ideas. Um, but Sam shows up and he's just really fat and he's like horribly whiny. And like they,
1: they're like, what is what is that? Like, what is that thing? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is they, like round.
0: They really describe him as like being so fat that people like, you know, he's like a marvel to look at. And Right. Which does make sense because a lot especially at the wall, a lot of these people are poor, so they're not around people that have so much excess they can become fat. Um and and uh what's his name? Uh Alistair Thorne, the, the master at arms, he makes like a jibe about oh, they ran out of thieves and rapers down south to send us so now they're sending us piggies.
1: Yeah, they like really lay into him immediately. So he comes he comes up and like they're like get a sword you're about to get like your ass beat pretty they send much send holden
0: after him, who, who worked in a quarry right of course yeah mm-hmm. right, you don't want right. to
1: so Holder, a- holder yeah holder no you don't want to fight a quarry man so so the quarryman obviously attacks him mm-hmm. or come it, it, you know beating the shit out of him he's like yo chill right so uh john tries to like stop it because he's Dude, like, they... yo, he's down on the ground, like he's mm-hmm. yielding, like relax, like, and Alistair Thorn's like beat him up, you know, Well, starts Holder, like kicking his ass. And... I believe
0: Holder does pause initially when he yields, but Alistair's like, like, there's no yielding for this piggy, get at him, you know,
1: and uh, right, right. he, keeps and going. he starts they... hitting him again. Do they say him.
0: that he's like bleeding from his head from like a blow to his helmet? Dude, he split, he split the helm. That's kind of, like... that, that's got to be crazy. That's got to be great. Well, because they said that
1: the Holder's like a huge... Like, yes, he's
0: really strong. I think he's also like slightly older than the other. He's like 18. Um, right. Yeah, so um, Holder's got some size and some strength advantages. Uh, as you were saying, John tries to to put a stop to everything. Um, Holder's kind of conflicted as to what to do, but then Alistair Thorne... He sends in uh, two other men to back up Holder and says, "Like you three, try to get back past the bastard and get to the piggy." But then Pip, Pippin makes a big heroic step in.
1: Pip, Pippin, and, uh, and Gren come over, both of them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so these are like guys that did not fuck with John at all, and then John became friends with them, and now like they are kind of you're kind of seeing the camaraderie build at the wall a little bit. This is like a total like like in the same way we saw like Ned kind of settling into his environment like John like we said earlier John is like really kind of like found his his like group at the wall and like his whole thing and his whole thing is kind of sticking it to Sir Alistair, uh like getting like chilling with his boys and like getting them better at sword fighting like kind of teaching them and also teaching them not to be assholes like that's like kind of what what he's got going on at the wall right now
0: i'd say and uh i'd I'd say like a big this chapter for john is sort of the old spider-man with great power comes great responsibility and sort of like what what will you do with your power if you have power like john both wants to protect sam right away but he also you know he has started trying to train up these boys and like you said that he is trying to teach them right from wrong as well even though they're all the same age
1: He's trying to teach them like honor, like growing. He's trying to be like Ned. He's trying to like instill Ned's lessons in them and also be like, also here's how you like really fight with a sword.
0: Now I will uh, say this though. Sir Alistair's not wrong. Like Sam, and this is something that really bothers me in the more detailed books is like Sam doesn't train, like, like doesn't get better. He somehow doesn't lose any weight, but like he doesn't show any small, like, like, He's supposed to be smart but he's almost so much of a coward that he's an idiot you know like he, he had no power. I agree with that like that's my whole thing with him with people like well like he's
1: not the fighter guy he's just like supposed to be like the smart like sidekick and I'm like but he doesn't like do smart things he like accidentally figured out that dragon glass kills white walkers he was which brave is like, a there. really
2: he deserves some is credit a useful- for that
1: A useful piece of information, and also he was brave there. That is, like, the one thing he did, and he never lets anyone forget about it. But, but, like, he doesn't regularly make, like, good plans. Like, that is not, like, his role ever. mm -hmm. He's just, like, always, like, needs to be protected. And then goes to the Citadel and just does one ridiculous medical procedure and then dips. Like, that is his whole time at the Citadel.
0: I think that, um... Well, that's the thing is, you know, we were talking about this during the Tyrion, uh, Tyrion's last chapter at the Wall. It's like, the Wall needs, you know, like, smart people, too. It doesn't just need fighters. But, like, Tyrion wouldn't just give up and die uh, uh, like Sam does. Like, Sam does not try to better his life. He does not try to better his station. He doesn't try to do anything. He just sits there and takes it, you know?
1: Well, and, you know, so I guess this is, like, way, way looking ahead, but, like, it kind of made me think, like, that the timing of, like, Sam going to the Citadel never could work with, like, the Game of Thrones time span. Because, like, there needs to be, like, a five-year jump,
2: like, mm-hmm. where
1: he is at the Citadel. Well, that but was the to, plan. Like, really Did you know sense.
2: that?
1: I didn't know. I guess it technically could still happen in the books. Like, the books are, like, a totally different like that's
0: uh, what george wanted to do in the books originally was like a five-year time jump and then he was just like i can't like too much will happen i don't know he just started making so much happen he's like we're
1: in the we're in the middle of too many different like kind Mm. of time critical things
0: i think he was worried about how that would affect the older characters like Cersei and whatnot rather than just the kids you know Although, seriously, right, like, that like, that's a line in the show. It's like, you know, oh, seriously, you can still have kids. And, uh, you know, that's something that definitely kind of reverberates more in the books, is that she should still be having heirs now that Robert's dead.
1: Right. And and that's like, we've talked about that before, but like the aging up of characters in the show is like mm-hmm. very prominent, um, like storyline-wise, too.
0: So, Pip, Gren, and John defend Sam. They say that John rings one of the guy's helmets like a bell. That has, like, how does that not kill somebody? I literally imagine. It seems
1: like everyone must have always been concussed.
0: Yeah, dude. How are these people not going to take a nap and never waking up, you know? Right. It's brutal. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, after the fight, Pip and Gren have a very – you know coming of age story introduction to each other or with each other to Sam where they're like this ugly mug's grin like oh you're the ugly one stupid you're stupid ugly uh back and forth and Sam just starts talking about how he's a coward which like shocks the others as if he just came out at- he basically crazy. came out of the coward closet to them like they were startled crazy like, oh, wow.
1: introduction like hey like i'll make a good first impression i suck
0: like <laughs> well not only that but gren literally is like we best steer away from him before people think his cowardice will rub off on us
1: craven he's craven i love oh yeah
0: they're really well that's the other thing it's like john in this book you know he tries to like take him outside like like we get a little bit of a time jump because um we hear about how like you know, John's, like, life at the wall, how he loves to go out and hunt uh, when he has that duty. But, you know, sometimes he's, like, working guard duty. Sometimes he's working in the um, forge. Sometimes he's doing, you know, the stables, like, other jobs. But Sam's not really doing any better. And he tries to show Sam, like, like he tries to take him outside to have, like, a good, you know, to give him, like, a little bit of a talk. And he literally says, thinking, like, kind of like what Tyrion did for me. You know, he's he's, trying to, like,
1: pep talk him up.
0: And Sam is literally like, what, outside, why? What are we doing? What's going on? And John literally goes like, why, are you literally afraid of everything? Like, what, you cannot be this frightened. And it's true, like, that's what I'm getting at. It's not just that Sam, you know, isn't good at fighting. Like, it literally says that it takes him a week sitting next to everyone to talk for the first time.
1: So, I, I, yeah and this is the only time i will defend sam because you know i'm not a sam guy but like he is like he is thrust in, in the same respects that like all these guys are at the wall for mostly shitty reasons besides john like sam's is pretty fucking bad like he had a really pampered childhood and like that's probably the reason he is the way he is but like like his dad was like, "You're going to the wall and renouncing your claim to everything, or I'm going to kill you." <laughs> like,
0: Mike, you actually want a pretty up, awful. Do you want to pull up the if you have your book in front of you, the description of Sam's childhood and read it for us? Because that is absolutely.
1: Oh, hold on. That's I absolutely. Do have a book. Hold up, let
0: me find it. One of my favorite. I'll I'll talk until you're ready. It's one it of my, is, It is like unreasonably sad. <laughs> not even that. I'm talking more of how ridiculous. It keeps talking about how he loves to. It's drink. crazy. Like, listen, I'm not a misogynist. He doesn't seem like he could dance. I have a nephew. uh, You know, I got him a uh, pasta, uh, Play-Doh pasta set one one year for Christmas because you know sometimes uh, little boys want a little uh, easy bake oven as well. I'm not saying any of that. They're like talking about how Sam's childhood was just him eating raspberry gooseberry tarts and and dancing and singing and like plucking about. Go ahead
1: i got it so it's on page 225 uh paragraph at the bottom whatever pri- uh pride his lord father might have felt at samwell's birth vanished as the boy grew up plump soft and awkward
2: oh, boy. sam
1: loved to listen to music and make his own songs to wear soft velvets to play in the castle kitchen besides the cook's Drinking in rich smells as he snitched lemon cakes and blueberry tarts. His passions were books and kittens and dancing, kittens. clumsy as he was. <laughs> but he grew ill at the sight of blood and wept to see even a chicken slaughtered. A dozen masters at arms came and went at Hornhill, trying to turn Samuel into a knight his father wanted. The boy was cursed and came, Lapped and starved, one man had his sleep, had him sleep in chainmail to make him more martial. Another dressed him in his mother's clothing and paraded him through the belly to shame him into valor. <laughs> he only grew fatter and more frightened until Lord Randall's uh, disappointment turned to anger and then to loathing. That is
0: crazy. Well, dude, like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, listen. Like a man in that day and age had to, like, be able to kill a chicken to feed himself, you know? Like, Samuel's got to do something.
1: They had a warlock from Carth come in and slaughter an aurochs and then made him sleep in its blood or bathe in its blood, but it didn't make him brave.
2: It's not... What an
1: absurd childhood. Yeah. And this, you know, like, that is crazy. So you you got to you got to feel for Sam a little bit cuz that is like an out that like it goes from very like lighthearted like you said like the grin and pip just like hey this is, look at this fat head over here and then immediately it's just like paragraph of insanely sad childhood
2: story.
0: But you know, John, the longer the short of it is is that John introduces, you know, gets gets Sam introduced to everyone and gets him comfortable and all that. And then You know, they're all kind of like, hey, like, let's not attack Sam anymore when Sir Alistair wants us to. And they all agree, except for one of them who's like, oh, I'm going to cut me off a ration of bacon from the piggy. (laughs) Oink, oink. Until they scare him during the night, uh, kind of boot camp style with Ghost in his bed. That's not... That was also ridiculous. Yeah, (laughs) but, but that's not doing Sam any favors. You know what I'm no. saying? Like Sam, he, like, you're
1: like you're like when the older sister comes onto like the schoolyard and tells the bully not to mess with her younger brother. Like well, not only that, it's but just gonna look, make him look worse.
0: If he's gonna not even about making him work, look worse, it's gonna make him actually worse. How's this guy ever gonna like when they range north of the wall? Even Grett and Pipper, like Sam, like you're holding us back, and it's because he never trained. Yeah. He never learned. He dude, it's know. literally
1: because he doesn't get less fat. And, like, we're not here to fat shame Sam. But, like... oh no. You a can a be little, fat uh, and
0: fight Robert Baratheon. He, dude wanted them to get the breastplate stretcher. He wanted to fight. Right, right. To, so, get the breastplate stretcher. <laughs> I feel like classic. I feel like this episode has been filled with our most nonsense, like, throughout our... We, we've been running oh, yeah. rabbit holes. Um, Hold on, let me check my my little notesies here for this John uh, chapter. I feel like I had something else at. Um... Oh, that was gr- Oh, so I had this, you know, they talk about how all the guys have to go around doing different chores to like, see where you end up, dude. I would have just been an- awful at whatever i didn't want to do like that slopping the stables i don't want to be a stable boy obviously i would have been like oh slopping the stables i can't figure that one out like i would have been i feel like i feel like knowing
1: knowing the uh hierarchy at the wall they would be like well you're gonna fucking do this until you get it right nah. you're gonna you're gonna if you suck at it you're gonna keep like shoveling horse shit until you do it at the competent level
2: Mm.
0: that's what I really wrote down as my issue with Samwell is that he doesn't have any ambition he doesn't want to try he's
1: like only willing to like read books he's like only if you guys let me read books I'll do that job like Mm -hmm. he is like kind of like a little bit frissy like he kind of expects a little bit stuff too just because like of the family he was raised in
0: and you know um Darren, who we mentioned earlier, honey dipped uh, thunder voice, he has like this story about like this uh, Lord's daughter sleeping with him and getting caught. So she said that he raped uh, her to like preserve her honor, um, which, you know, something they really had to worry about in in such a society. And it's like, that's what some of these guys are there for. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that was his choice was to get castrated or to go to the wall was this singing guy. And now, you know, you just kind of got to make the best of it. And I just don't think that uh, Sam was willing to. I think mean, he would have just died if John. It's, it's almost going against Darwinism, you know, survival of the fittest. Like, it's like it's like uh, keeping a wild animal alive uh, on your own. What happens when you move? John, if John died on the, on the next ranging, Sam would be toast.
1: Yeah, they really do baby him a little bit too much, which is weird because, like, they like especially John is like constantly like you got to toughen up, and then he just like babies him.
0: Yeah, uh, but the but the chapter does end after you know when they when they have ghosts scare the the I think it's like Raph or the Rapling or something into um being nice to Sam and not fighting him too hard the next day. John goes to bed and he's like. These are my brothers now. Like Benjamin was right. I hope I get to tell him that one day.
1: Right. Which he doesn't. No. Um, he might. So he might. When Benjamin so saved
0: him from, from getting frozen in that lake.
1: So that's the end of uh, the John chapter. And then we're back to Ned in King's Landing.
0: So this um, chapter starts with a small council meeting. And if you would allow me, Mikey, I just would like to um, read the list of crimes that Sir Jana Slimp said happened in mm-hmm. one night. Call it what you will, my lord. Knights have been arriving from all over the realm, and for every night we get two free riders, three craftsmen, six men-at-arms, a dozen merchants, two dozen whores, and more thieves than I dare guess. This cursed heat had half the city in a fever to start, and now with all these visitors... Last night we had a drowning, a tavern riot, three knife fights, a rape, two fires, robberies beyond count, and a drunken horse race down the street of sisters. The night before, a woman's head was found in the great swept floating in the rainbow pool. No one seems to know how it got there or who it belongs to. Oh my goodness, like what are these guys doing the 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 night or the uh, the city watch?
1: I love, I love Varys's reaction. How dreadful! <laughs> like,
2: yeah, yeah, he's, he's really like,
1: yeah, back. like what an insane amount of crime, like major crime, throwing a severed head in like the that's like, you know, the holy fountain or whatever. Yeah. And
0: you're just flinging a woman's head into
1: it. And again, this is just like Ned being like, "I fucking hate
0: this tournament." This what you? I was going to say. Thing and- the, the starts with Janice Lint like throwing out his complaints, but he starts with being like, it's the hands tournament that started all of this. And Ned feels the need to interrupt him and be like the, the King's tournament that the hand detests. I swear to you. It's like, Ned, you're not going to be able yeah. to like wrap that up with two arms, buddy. I don't know what to tell you.
1: Right. They're not, they're not putting out like a news flash. Like mm-hmm. everyone thinks
0: you oh, want this tournament. Sorry, Ned. Sorry. Um, this is something, Mike. We we gotta we gotta step back for a minute. We gotta hit another little sidebar. This is something that has always bothered me. And it involves your guy, Littlefinger. Ned's after hearing that from Janice Lint, that list of crimes, he's like, We will raise money to hire new men for the City Watch. Like the Treasury will find these funds. And Peter Baelish, in his cartoony ass little thing, goes, I will. And Ned goes, like Yeah, if you can find 40,000 gold dragons for the tournament, I think you can find a few coppers to, like, hire some city watchmen. Like, Peter like yeah. No, Ned's right. That's the one time Ned's right. Peter Bailey said, "I, I will. That's your boss talking to you, Pete. And he just said we need more soldiers for the tournament, and it is so far the only, more guards for the tournament, so far it is the only reasonable request I have heard at a small council, and Petey Baelish is sitting there going, "I will." Like, uh, like, like uh, uh, Ned just told all me I'm to saying.
1: Money. All I'm saying is this is what like Ned is the one who is like, "How could we get so much in debt?" And then he's just like, and then Pierre Baelish is like, "Well, we're already spending a lot of money," and Ned's like, "Spend more." So, like, yeah. I'm just saying
0: it's a little. It's a fraction.
1: It's a fraction. I'm just not saying it's hypocritical.
0: And not only that, but, um, but this is the one time, this is something we talked about earlier during the lady slang chapter. This is the one time I'll give Ned credit when he's like, you can take some men from my household guard, because like, in theory, those guys should be befriending some men in the city watch now. And like, they should be becoming boy, like it's ingratiating yourself, you know, and it is an important thing. Am I wrong? Do you disagree? You seem like you disagree.
1: I'm I'm just saying, like, because we've talked about this also, it's like, this is, like, another one of those, like, get it, good, like, honorable thing to do, Ned, but, like, you have so few allies down here, and you're just like, take 20 good swords from my household guard. Like, let me just weaken my small amount of, like, protection in the city that is full of enemies. And I'm, like, just learned there's spies everywhere. Oh, God.
0: Mike. Yeah. No, keep talking. Sorry. You said city and my thing heard Syria, then uh, my laptop like popped up. So uh, (laughs) I'm playing recording, but go ahead.
1: Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's Ned sending out his men and like not having them on hand and like giving them to the city watch. It's just like, this is just like you're weakening yourself when you know you're in a bad situation.
0: But, like, say, you know, Hugh from the North befriends Schmitty from the City Watch Guard, and suddenly, when it's time to betray Ned Stark in a few chapters, Schmitty says to Hugh, like, yo, buddy, like, look out, like, they're coming for you. That could have happened. Sure. Absolutely. That could have happened
1: if any of these people had honor. But this is where Ned continues to make these mistakes. He believes everyone has honor.
0: I do love this line from Grandmaster Maester Pycelle when he says that uh, the realm prospers from, from such events, my lord. Uh, they bring the great uh, the chance for glory and, and the lowly a uh, respite uh, from their woes. Like, that's really what this is about, is about like all those people we talked about two chapters ago that are so hot. They're trying to sleep out in the public by a river. They just want to be able to watch some guys kill each other on horseback, you know?
1: Yeah, and just the city turned into an absolute chaotic, like, mess.
0: It's an event. It's, a, you know, it's, it's in a medieval society. It's, you know, the, you, you, think about how many times, I think at least thrice at uh, this far end of the book, the, the tournament of Prince Joffrey's name day has been mentioned. You know, that that's what happens. The well, listen, tournament. it's
1: like, it's like what I'm getting the idea that, like, having these tournaments happen is like having like a mini Olympics Mm -hmm. in wherever they are having it because it just seems like there's a ton of stuff there's all food everywhere like everyone comes (laughs) into the city you know there's there's a ton going on for like it seems like um, a period of time like at least a week or two and like just seems like a whole little olympics thing it does sound pretty cool i would like to attend a tourney
0: so after um After Ned leaves the small council and he goes back to his chambers, he talks to Jory about the leads he tried to follow. Um, My favorite of which is Hugh of the Vale, Uh, Lord uh, John Aaron Squire, who is now a knight, literally says to Jory, like, I would speak to the king's hand if the king's hand spoke to me, but I shan't be summoned and questioned by some household godsman as I am now a knight. It's like that. Uh, that casts a suspicious shadow. Just the snootiness, you know. Not even the fact that he's avoiding being questioned.
1: Sounds like a villain.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's not that's not looking too good. Um, but then um, Jory tells him that uh, John Aaron went to visit a particular. Um. Oh, also Grandmaster Pycelle. Two chapters ago, we kind of glossed over this in the first Ned chapter. He told Ned about this big old book of like royal families. Uh, that mm-hmm. that was the last thing that John Maester Pycelle or John, uh, Lord John Aaron was doing uh, before he took ill and died. So Ned now has that big book of households and and their lineages and their kids and like basically a record book of royal families. Not even royal families, just great families, lords of the realm. And um, Ned finds out from Jory that John Aaron and Stannis Baratheon uh, both were talking to a particular uh most famous armorer dash blacksmith on the street of steel which is the area in king's landing with all the blacksmithing and and the armor making and the weapons and stuff it's actually a great line um very well described by george r. r martin how like at the beginning of the street of steel are some carts that have like loose blades and like iron and stuff they're trying to sell and then as you go up you see- there's
1: there's a part of that description that's uh my favorite piece of writing
0: oh nice nice we'll save that then we'll save yeah. that. yeah uh mine actually comes from this chapter too um but uh you know he tells them that Stannis and John Aaron visited the, the best arm uh, blacksmith on the street of steel. And in, immediately this kind of brings questions to, to Ned's mind because Stannis has been spotted uh, quite often with, um, with uh, John Aaron at this point. And it seems like they were in cahoots of some kind. And now. Stan- well, and
1: also Ned has been asking like the, mm-hmm. the council he's like, what's up with why is Stannis not here?
0: Yeah, Stannis, like Stannis
1: has Stannis been gone. Be yeah, Stannis. Yeah, he's, like, what's, he's like, he's starting to think it's like a little fishy what's happening with Stannis.
0: Yes. Um, and not only that, but like, they were said to be there to like, get really, like, this guy is a master craftsman. they were getting really fancy armor, which does not speak to either man. And uh, Right. It's also said that the two of them visited a brothel together, which really sticks out to Ned. That's what uh, you had referenced earlier when Dory says, like, oh, the men will love visiting brothels. Is earlier, excuse me, in this very chapter, Ned talks to the other members of the um, the small council about how Stannis Baratheon wanted to outlaw uh, whores in Gang's Landing, and now he's been seen in a brothel. Uh, you know, there's references made that Stannis hardly has sex with his own wife he's such a proper and like kind of virtuous man the idea of him going to a brothel makes no sense john aaron doesn't seem like one to frequent brothels
1: right so this is like this is where again we talked about like ned is like doing a good job of gathering information and like investigating this like he is like being a good detective right now Mm -hmm. but he's just being a little too obvious and he is starting to take precautions now because like one of the leads was was this whorehouse right so he's Mm -hmm. like we'll get the men to check out the whorehouse but he's like i do want to go check out what's going on at this armor right so he does go himself uh to talk to um the armor
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and i find it very interesting how um you know how you just described how Ned's uh, doing a great job as a detective. I think George does a great job of writing like a mini mystery throughout this medievally timed family drama. You know, like like there are good, like like the clues add up, and how the clues stand out to Ned makes sense, and it's something that the reader uh, themselves could kind of piece together as well.
1: Uh, another right, this is a fun little like mini mini like side quest Mm -hmm. thing that he's got going on it's like figure this out and we're like oh we can kind of figure that out at the same time like we have information
0: and something else that's important to note here is that uh Renly Baratheon recently uh brought Ned a locket of Marjorie Tyrell and asked Ned if she looked like Lyanna Stark which Ned disagreed with and that's just a fun bit of oh is that part of your eight
1: no, I was just going to say, I I found that interesting. Like, I'm like, what am I supposed to be taking from that? Like, so that, that's like, they, they brought it, like, it was like kind of out of nowhere.
0: That's a bit of foreshadowing of, uh, or not even foreshadowing, it's kind of machinations getting the gears in motion for the next book in the sense that Renly, you know, so far we've, re- you know, Renly... As mostly joked, uh, he had the very sitcomy uh, introduction with Barristan Selmy. You know, he's been at the council meetings, kind of barbing with little finger a little bit, but it's kind of to show that. Every you know, as we kind of have said a lot with Ned Stark in these chapters, you know, no, you can't trust anyone in King's Landing because everyone has ambition. No one's in it just for honor, and Renly clearly has his own plans too. His plans are to marry uh, Robert Baratheon to Lyanna uh, or to Marjorie Tyrell. That's why he was hoping that it looked like Ned's sister, who Robert was famously in love with, because that is his lover, Loras Tyrell's sister. Puts him all of a sudden as as the big guy pulling the strings instead of Tywin and Cersei Lannister, you know.
1: The Tyrells are like an interesting family. I do like how they kind of like that's like the little hint to later, like oh, this yeah. is like a name, this like matters, this name. So like it's uh, it is cool when they get introduced. Mm-hmm. I like their storyline.
2: So, but goes- uh,
1: yes. Right, so Ned's, Ned's going down there, and he's going to do this one himself. He's talking to the armor. Was Jory with him, or did he send Jory out to the whorehouse? Was he alone when he did this?
0: I thought, I'm pretty sure somebody's with him. Let me look it up really quick. Somebody's
1: with him, I thought.
0: Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure who it is. It might honestly just be Ned and like some of his guys. I do love that the armor or the blacksmith's name is Tobho Moat. That just sounds like a great cool block. name, yeah, cool name. Um, so, man- okay, yes. Yeah, so he, yeah. So
1: he goes in and he starts talking to uh, to our armor here, uh, moat.
0: Mm-hmm. Who's immediately in sales mode? Like he's telling Ned all, yeah. you know, he can work valerian steel. He can really cast colors into metal, not just you know use cheap dyes. Like he's really telling him how he could make him uh, a helm that looks like a direwolf that would scare children. It's so right. realistic. He made
1: he made Renly's armor. Like mm-hmm. he, he made versus
0: Tyrell's armor. And then Ned says like, oh, what armor did you make for the previous lord uh, hand? And and that's when kind of the mood of the conversation begins to shift a little bit as Ned, or uh, as Tobo Moat kind of is like, oh boy, another hand here to ask questions. And it's like, wasn't, right. wasn't Armour the hand wanted? It was the boy. What boy? Ned point, or, uh, introduces him to a boy who isn't exactly used to being around. Uh, you know, propers, he kind of is a little he you know, he, Ned says, oh, that's a great helmet you've got there, I'd love to buy it from you, because normally, you know, that's the honor of a century for an apprentice blacksmith, and Gendry, as we will find out the boy's name, is like, no, can't have it, it's my, it's my helmet.
1: Right, so, and, and so this is where we get into, like, again, the, um like, the lineage and the descriptions of, like, appearance of these families and how important that is because like that is what Ned goes off of and like immediately looks at this dude and it's like it's like a 16 year old kid right but he's like huge he's like all muscled up he's like
0: you Cross, know dark hair very
1: thick yeah, thick black thick black hair they do like a ton of description on the hair they're like you know mm-hmm. kind of a beard on like a square jaw uh you know they are like they're just like describing him like so in depth on like certain they're like you know dark eyes and it's just like Robert Baratheon's bastard and that is like what Ned goes on and like his whole like theory and like everything he's figuring out which is correct he figures out like based off of like that like assumption that like his appearance he's just like looks like Robert and he's like that is everything
0: So let's get into this now, because this is what I was referencing earlier. Here's my issue. I don't think Ned put anything together at this point. Like, I think Ned left this and was just like, huh, like that's something. He knew that that that's Robert's bastard, but he by no means is like, oh, I don't think. It's not until later that he figures out that. And it's by something that one of his children says that he overhears that he puts two and two together. At this point, he's like, huh. Robert's got a bastard that, that John Aaron visited. John Aaron had a book listing facts about all the royal families and their children.
2: Ah. Mm.
0: No, he doesn't he doesn't know
1: what's going on with like Joffrey and like Cersei and Jamie, like he doesn't know that yet. What he does know is that like this is a bastard of yeah. Robert and like there's a reason there's a reason that like John Aaron was looking into it. So he's like trying to figure out why John Aaron like was interested in Robert's <sighs> bastards.
0: But dude, shouldn't you take one look at this beef, as you said? George R. R. Martin gets very descriptive. I'm sure the ladies reading at home got, got a real nice treat for the talking about how ripped and this stud of a man that Gendry is. And there's just Joffrey, just Tom.
1: Right. Come on. Well, that is that is when they start to like kind of be like, what's what is going on here? Like, you know, like they're supposed to be black of hair.
0: Mm-hmm. I was always disappointed too because Ned famously is like, you know, says to says to um says to old uh um Gendry's like if or no, he says to Tobo Moat actually, he goes, there ever comes a day with a boy who'd rather wield a sword than make one. He's like you send him to me. I always thought that was gonna I what I remember when I turned off that episode watching it for the first time, I was like, Gendry's gonna be a soldier one day. Bit could not have been more wrong. No, right. that never happened. <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> um not really. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I don't go old Neddy.
1: So, they- right. So Ned comes out of this and like basically like we said, like what he learns is like that's Robert's bastard. Uh and for some reason John Aaron was looking into it with Stannis. Mm-hmm. So like what's going on there? But he's like on the precipice of like figuring out what's going on like he's doing a pretty good job
0: but dude also to jump into the future a little bit this is where i get so confused i don't think the lannisters the lannisters didn't kill john heron though it was Liza heron for some reason like, i always think this, that was a little that bit,
1: like that it seemed like that was the wrong decision to make that was like, all over
0: complicating things
1: yeah, like, I, I guess they kind of needed that to drive, like, Liza Aaron's storyline, like, when they go there and do that whole thing. But, like, feel like they could have done that a different way. It's, wasn't like, the, the same fake... thing, like, it's the same thing, like, how we said, like, Joffrey, Joffrey being, being the one like, who actually yeah. ordered the hit on Bran is, like, was, like, kind of a mistake. Because it's just, like, not consistent, does really. It, too,
0: too many twists. Wasn't, wasn't Liza writing the fake letter to uh Caitlin to put her onto the the Lannisters wasn't that enough like they, they didn't need to also make her kill John Aaron for, for Littlefinger, you know? And also Littlefinger had John Aaron killed. Like basically Littlefinger played the longest biggest game possible to kill Ned and try to marry Caitlin apparently Catelyn. That was the whole it of it all.
1: It was a bit confusing what his master plan is. And I think it, again, is different in the books. Like his, his like the, the moves he are, is making is like different in the books yeah. than it is in where the show got to. Because obviously it got ahead. So um, he's another one where like intentions, you're like not 100% sure. Especially at this point in the book, you're like very unsure what his intentions are.
0: So let's call the uh, small council to a close here and let's jump into our categories, our segments for the show. We'll start with our MVP of these chapters, the prince or princess who was promised Mike, would you like to give us yours first?
1: Um, you know, this is a, this is, this is one I think is deserving. Mm. I think we got to give it to Pip here. Oh, backing up his boy and really showing some character development, you know. He's, he he's slipped friendly. through a grown
0: man's legs in like a combat move. That is very good. That's very cartoon. Right. So know? Pip,
1: Pip is like you said. He was the first one to to be like, if John's protecting this dude, like, all right, John's my brother now. I'm with him. Mm-hmm. Like, and so he hops up there, and then Gren, Gren comes too. So I'm going with Pip.
0: Gren comes too. Um. I am going with your man Littlefinger is my Prince who has promised for these chapters because Littlefinger it's like I said earlier when Ned's like I can trust you, little Like like Ned's little, Ned is a fish and he just chomped down on the worm on the end of that hook. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. little, Littlefinger yeah. knows he's got him now. He everything he, he is
1: playing he is playing the shit out of Ned.
0: Yeah. And and it's all his plans all coming together. Well, all starting. Honestly, now. you
1: know what you know what it is too, like he is using Ned to get information as well. Like all of this stuff that like Ned is figuring out, he's feeding whatever he finds to like, to exactly what Littlefinger says. He's like, 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 you can't do this investigating yourself. Like you need to send people to do. He is sending Ned to do his dirty work. Like he wants to know this information too, Mm -hmm. right? So like he's looking into, he's looking into stuff because, you know, even though, Littlefinger knows that he's the one who had John Aaron killed. Like, he still wants to know what's going on with like these bastards. And like what's what why was John Aaron interested in that?
0: Well, also, um, he doesn't know. And and you know, this is touched on especially with Varys in the uh Catelyn chapter that was inside King's Landing, is neither Varys or Littlefinger had anything to do with Bran Stark getting pushed out of the window and almost dying, or the right. subsequent, you know, uh uh cat cat paw knife dagger attack on Bran's life. So they like I do think there's a part of Littlefinger that there are some secrets that he's trying to get the uh to the bottom of and he knows similar to how you you pointed out multiple times tonight um Ned is kind of a lightning rod he's drawing all this attention because of how brashly he's kind of going about it due to his own um misgivings of honor and and you know how people will react I think Littlefinger kind of knows like oh well like I can just follow Ned and you know I'm never going to take the heat because Ned is so I I can see where what's been going on like this is just a free information gather for him
1: Right. And Ned trusts him now. So Ned's mm-hmm. just telling him everything he figures out, pretty yep. much, you know. Yep. And Littlefinger's just like, well, this is perfect. I have leads. I don't want to investigate them myself. Let me send Ned off. And mm-hmm. if he gets caught, it's on him.
0: So now we can go to our Grandmaster Shevlethen, uh, Grandmaster Chevletish award for our favorite bit of writing. Uh, Mike, since I brought yours up uh accidentally earlier do you want to go first or do you want me to go first
1: sure i'll go first so it's on page 234 in the hardcover book and so like we said uh, we're talking about the street of steel and i think this really ties in with uh what we were talking about in the beginning of the chapter two with just like all the craziness that's coming into uh king's landing and all like the like kind of like it seems very festival like there's a lot going on mm-hmm. so uh second paragraph down, The street of steel began at the market square beside the river gate, as it was named on the maps or the mud gate, as it was commonly called. A mummer on stilts was striding through the throngs like some great insect uh, with a horde of barefoot children trailing behind him, hooting. Elsewhere, two ragged boys no older than Bran were dueling with sticks to the loud encouragement of some of the furious and, and the furious curses of others. An old woman ended the contest by leaning out her window and emptying a bucket of slops on the head of the combatants. In the shadow of the wall, the farmers stood by their wagons, bellowing out apples, the best apples, cheap at twice the price and blood melons sweet as honey. So they're just, you know, it's it's a real nice uh, description of like what this like busy, like, like uh, you know like merchant like strip in 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 this city is especially with like a bunch of people coming in for the tourney the tournament it's just like it's like a wild setting
0: well how could you have skipped turnips onions roots here you go here 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 you go turnips onion roots here you go
2: here
1: yeah i, I left that out but there there you go there you know so there's mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there's there's guys selling food there's you know there's people selling their armor there's like kids fucking off and there's yeah. like, dudes walking on stilts so there's a lot going on there and it was just like kind of a cool description you kind of were able to visualize it
0: so mine's actually just one page over uh while Ned is talking to Tobo Mott he says did you make a falcon helm uh for Lord Aaron Tobo Mott paused a long moment and set aside his wine The hand did call upon me with Lord Stannis, the king's brother. I regret to say they did not honor me with their patronage. Ned looked at the man evenly, saying nothing, waiting. He had found over the years that silence sometimes yielded more than questions. I just think that that last, like, I really like that line about silence sometimes uh, wielding more answers than questions. I kind of like when sometimes when you're reading something like, you know, A Song of Ice and Fire, which is a mystical book you know a fantasy novel uh that you can get like real life lessons like that like that, that is true sometimes whether it's a negotiation whether whether you're trying to get information sometimes less is more you know
1: right just like you know the way you react by not saying anything is really like driving home the point
2: mm-hmm. keeping your car what he's trying the, to yes. say here
1: right so up so, next- yeah so this is yeah. It's cool because that is like that is like right in the middle of Ned really trying to get information. And like, you know, to go into this, uh, I guess we'll go into it later on, on the make in the eight, but this is where uh, Tobo Mott, you know, could have been a runner up for uh, for an MVP of this chapter because he kind of sticks by Gendry here. Mm-hmm. He's like kind of a loyal guy.
2: Yeah.
0: He, he both looks out for Gendry and like, he seems like an honest man. You know what I mean? He He doesn't know what he's found himself in the middle of, I don't even think he knows that uh, Gendry is, uh, uh, you know, a bastard. Uh, well, we'll
1: get into it because they, they do kind of talk about that at the, at the last page of
0: the chapter.
2: Mm-hmm. So are
1: we getting into our making the eight here then.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get into making the eight and then we'll do the menu and um, we'll wrap up with our hypothetical.
1: So I think, uh, so I'll start with one of mine right here, just because we were basically talking about it now. Like, <laughs> I kind of had it as Tobo Mop being like a super loyal guy and good guy in this, uh, in this set of chapters, because, you know, at the end, Ned does say like, you know, you know, when he says like, you know, if that guy ever wants to wield a sword instead of a hammer, like you sent him to me and he's like, you know, like, you know who that is. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, and he's like, he's Gendry. And he's just like, no, but like, come on, you know who he's like, he's, he's not even asking him. He's like, you know who that is. And, uh, and you know, he's, like, whoever he was before he came here is, like, nothing to me. He's my apprentice now. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to take care of him. And Ned's, like, you know, decides he likes Tobo Mob. So, like, I just think that was, like, kind of a, you know, a good, like, this is a good guy in this, like, book full of, like, especially in King's Landing, all dishonest people. Like, Ned finds this guy and he's, like, all right, this is, like, an honest guy I trust.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a good one. I like that.
1: You want to do one of yours now? You want to go back and forth this time?
0: Um, uh, at least do an, uh, do yours first, just because now I'm just trying to look something up uh, based on something you had just said. Uh, it's just something, oh, okay. uh, like a question that just came to my mind about Thrones.
1: Oh, right. So, okay. Here's here's another one. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but is, is Samwell's dad one of the most evil characters in all of Game of Thrones?
0: I think he's probably pretty run at the mill for the time. If I'm being honest, I, I don't think he's... he's
2: pretty. He's pretty
0: evil. Like right, he he's said he like he supposed to son? be
1: honorable. He said he was gonna
0: kill his son. I mean, uh, he hey, was like brother, I'm
1: gonna go. Yeah,
0: how many people did a lot of these other people kill just because they weren't related to him? It was okay, you know. It wasn't as evil. He was gonna kill his son for being craven. Uh, he should. <laughs> He should have um, forced him to go into the Citadel, I think, which he would have wanted. I think
1: that always would have made sense and been honorable, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, you know,
1: and he would so have I, I, I don't know I, I, I was not able to forget I mean Tywin's worse Jamie's
0: worse Jamie throws a children, child out of a window for no
2: reason
1: I always thought people should remember that a little bit more about Jamie because Jamie really like becomes a fan favorite character like pretty quickly mm-hmm. and like everyone just kind of forgets like did the like most awful thing ever right at the beginning of the series
0: yeah yeah real bad too um all right what are you next to
1: Uh you want to hop on one of yours now
0: Sure sure so um Grandmaster Picel started uh his reign as grandmaster during the reign of King Maker Um this dude was like this there's randomly like a lot known about this guy because his kids are very well known uh he was very unlikely to become king I believe he was like a third son maybe he was a second son but then his Fourth son goes on to become a uh, king, which is like really crazy. You know what I mean? When you, when you add up all that things. So his son is known as Aegon the Unlikely, who had a knight that he traveled around with called Sir Duncan the Tall, which is very famous. Like they have their own little novels written about them. My favorite Kingmaker fact is that one of his children... Um, uh Aaron, I believe his name was. um he thought he went he was like always an evil, cruel guy, probably worse than um uh than Sam's dad uh until he died because he went crazy and he drank wildfire, thinking it would turn him into a dragon. So it didn't it just burned, it like was it'd be like didn't you, work. It'd be like you drinking sulfuric acid. like he just melted from the inside out like very, very horrifying, you know. How could that um, not have worked? Yeah. Also, another one of mine is, uh, as we mentioned, Old Town gets mentioned with the citadel. With the citadel, Old Town is awesome. Old Town is like the New Orleans of uh, Game of Thrones of Westeros in terms of its um, like location. Like it's at the very south of the Reach. Beautiful weather. It's like right on the sea with like a river going through it. So it's like a big bustling port. Great weather, great food, and the High Tower is an old town, which is where House High Tower from uh, the uh, House of the Dragon show in uh, HBO proper right now is from. And their tower, called the High Tower, is actually the tallest structure in all the known world, even taller than the Wall, actually, which is pretty crazy. And um, it is like a lighthouse for ships. And when it is time to go to war, they burn the special material that makes the flame green, which is why uh, Princess or Queen Allison in uh, House of the Dragon wears that green dress when she kind of declares that she's gonna, you know, fight for her kids. And why they're considered the Blacks and the Greens. Green is the color of House High Tower. Black is the color of House Targaryen.
1: That was a badass scene when she comes in in the green dress.
2: Yeah,
0: not as badass as when my man. Uh, well, my, my King Viserys, uh, you know, he waddled up there with that mask and he was like, I'm going to do the one thing I can do one last time, baby. Oh, he laid it all out. He laid it all out. He
1: completely, he like just falls apart during that whole like season. Show. That was like yeah. such a crazy Very demise for a character.
0: I, yeah. I really have problems with Allison defenders i'll acknowledge that there's a lot of people that act like allison didn't or or the high tower defenders too i really think Otto high tower is the biggest cause of the dance of dragons but allison is a close number two i think in my opinion
1: oh yeah i they're all very like it's again it's just everyone just like scheming for power Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) um Um, now go ahead
1: yes he did two years so i'll do another so um I think, and we mentioned this earlier, this is like a good contrast of like things going downhill for Ned and uphill for John. Like you're seeing John kind of like hit his stride in uh, you know, at the wall in Castle Black. He's he's making friends. He has like a group of solid friends that like clearly they trust each other. Um, you know, he's trying to stick up for people like against like Alistair Thorne and he's like trying to like make a stand there and like it seems like he's gaining a little bit of ground uh there and he's just trying to like get like gain a little bit of leadership experience stuff and it seems to be like going going like pretty well for him right now like people Mm -hmm. don't hate him and uh Ned is just like trending in the wrong direction and he's just like you know like when when uh when Littlefinger shows him, he's like, that person's a spy, that person's a spy. And Ned just, like, just kind of, like, throws up his hands. And he's just like, is everyone a spy? Like, can I trust anyone? And he's like, no, you shouldn't be trusting anyone. And Ned's just, like, kind of over his head. Yeah, he's, like, just, like, totally overwhelmed in his setting. So there's a weird contrast kind of seeing, like, like, John is, like, kind of trending in the right direction. And Ned, it's just, like, you can start to see it, like, it's starting to unravel. He's starting to lose control of the situation. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was kind of two and one for me, because that was kind of both their, uh, their situations uh, wrapped up that they kind of just uh, fell together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Uh, then my last two are, um, one is that this is something I've briefly mentioned before, but I think it's important to remember that the Starks are loaded rich. Um, it's mentioned at one point in this that John uh, Aaron, who was the previous hand of the king, would give like the stable boys a copper on their name day. Meanwhile, Catelyn Stark's getting off a uh, ship and giving each oarsman a silver. You know that that big, big difference right there. Uh, obviously, Ned Stark is wearing these like silk, luxurious tunics. He would be able to go to Tobo Mot and get a entire case of direwolf armor if you wanted to like the the everybody always thinks of the lannisters as rich um but really i mean the starks the north is full of wood and fur and game and you know like like timber and whatnot like that that's all got to be worth something fish you know like like the the starks are reaping in all of that and then my last uh Part was that uh, it's mentioned how tired Grandmaster Pycel is in these chapters. That's how him and Ned's conversation ends. He's like, my my eyes can hardly stay open anymore. I'm sorry, my lord. I'm just so old. Grandmaster Pycel was actually a lot more like aware and and uh, vigorous than he lets on. It's something that is briefly exposed in the show, but there is actually a fantastic deleted scene that you can find on YouTube of Tywin Lannister fishing in um he's fishing in the blackwater bay and he catches these little fishies that he like puts on a leaf and Grandmaster comes out he's like tywin my lord blah, blah. and then tywin's like why don't you cut the act there pycelle like it's just us here to talk and then pycelle like stands up straight and is all talking normal and he basically says he pretends to be really old and and like and And, like weak, and whatnot, because he just wants to live and survive, and you know that's what's worked for him so far, so that's
1: it's why. all part of the game it it makes people not perceive him as a threat,
2: yep,
0: yep,
1: and they're just, like, oh, he's just old and baddie and like and like you know, limping around all the time,
0: so uh now, to jump into the brief menu for this chapter, first, Mike, I wanted to ask you live here on the podcast, um. Can we celebrate the end of the first book for the Game of Thrones uh, podcast, a, a pot of ice and fire with a Twitch cooking meal presents of the Game of Thrones cookbook, make a couple things. Feel, we, we, we get the ice. I feel ice.
1: like we'd, ha- we'd have to. Yeah. We'd have to give, give something to go.
0: The iced, I, at the very least having that iced honey milk would be delicious. I feel like it'd be worth that. Well, out.
1: I feel like. That's definitely something we can handle.
0: Which is what you get at uh. There's really only two things here, which is at Grand Maester Piecell's quarters. You can have iced sweetened, uh, iced milk sweetened with honey. You can have dates and some fine persimmons. I'm not quite sure. Do you know what a persimmon is?
1: Uh, honestly, that sounded like a flower to me, which is clearly wrong. I believe like, it's that's like an the apricot. First thing I thought
0: I believe it's like an apricot-looking fruit. I think they. Some
1: sort of fruit. Okay. I'm
0: pretty sure they like grow. Oh wait, okay, so they are not. They kind of look like tomato oranges. That's a person. All
1: right, so this is like a somewhat healthy snack they're having. Yeah, a, a, a
0: you know a, a Cornish squash or something. Uh, and then at the wall, we had some hot cider with some mulled wine and some pork pies. Sam scarfing down those pork pies because how does how is how is sam at no point in caloric deficit that's what i need to know
1: uh i guess they're feeding him a little bit more they should have weaned him off the food a bit.
0: dude just wearing that much armor and standing for a man his side should be burning a lot of calories
1: i don't understand that is i think also like sort of a flaw in the because like Just when like John's talking about like, oh, and then I'm like atop the wall and then I'm mucking the stables and then I'm doing this and then I'm doing that. It's like, dude, you're like moving all the time. (sighs) They have like a lot of tasks that they have to do, like cutting wood, like like Sam's doing some of those. Like he has to lose weight. Like I I think that is like sort of a story flaw.
0: You have experience uh, with blue collar work. I feel like it's impossible to like live at the wall and not get like a hard body, you know? Well, I mean, at least, like, not
1: be obese. Like, they, John describes all of the tasks he does, like, Mm -hmm. on, like, a weekly basis. And it's, like, all physical stuff.
0: Dude, just getting the shit beaten out of him by Holder that one time should have, like, toughened him up a bit, you know? Like, like, you know, uh, callous to skin or something. I don't understand how human growth works. This is, like, you know, Sam's a little lazy. Yeah.
2: I'm
0: just saying. So to wrap things up, we have our hypothetical this week, which is what custom armor or weapon would you get made uh, from Tobo Mott? Personally, Mike, I'm going with a full suit of like bear armor, dyed white. It's going to be sh- glimmering white, like as if I was in the King's Guard. So it was polar bear look and it would have like big gauntlet claws instead of a sword. Bam. That's sick. That just blew your mind. So
1: honestly, what when you were when you were talking earlier about Ned talking to him and mentioned that he could get a full like dire wolf armor, you know, set. I kind of mm-hmm. started thinking about that. I spaced out for a minute thinking about that. And then I'm like, I think I, I think I would go with that.
2: Yeah. I think I'm gonna go, go with like a
1: dire wolf. And I'm honestly I'm making gendry's making it for me
2: yeah i not getting from matt
1: yeah i want gendry i want gendry to do it but i do want mm-hmm. Mott to do the dying of the steel as we uh, well something else very good i at.
0: like that Mott mentions um i love whenever valerian steel gets brought yeah, up because he, they always talk about how the, he
1: says he knows how to spell forge
0: it you need the spells in the forge which like yeah again like in a world where the maesters cannot believe that there's any magic. This guy's just casting spells in King's Landing. Like, spells just. Also, exist that's, like, that's
1: like kind of like an important drop that he just does. He's like, by the way, I can rework like the and steel. i like, pretty much no one else can.
0: Well, Mike, that's And it's that important. You know, that ancestral sword, Ice, that gets turned into two swords for House Lannister. Who do you think does it? Yeah,
1: Tobo Mott. Yeah, I know. Oh, very. Hey, talk it's, about is like, that is like low key, like. Super important skill that no one else in the entire series has is like being able to rework. He's the only one in Westeros who can
0: do it. Yep.
1: Right. Is he? Like Mm -hmm. they mentioned that, like, no one knows how to do it. There's some in Essos.
0: There's like a few in Essos. um, Right. Not not here. No. All right. So I think that'll wrap up our show uh, for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Mike, I feel like you always like to end things by seeing what we've got coming next so let's try to see what we've got coming yes. next here I feel like we've got to be on Catelyn soon
1: uh, you think we're getting to a Daenerys chapter maybe it is Catelyn's the next one it looks like uh, yeah so Catelyn mm-hmm. is up next and then what do we got the old and chapter, then we have, Sansa, we have a Sansa we have a Sansa chapter
0: okay and then I'd guess Ned
1: and another Ned chapter. Ned's yep. getting a lot of burn right now. He's starting to hit like his like main like. He's really getting into it. A
0: lot of burn now because there's you know uh, candles only burn for so long, unfortunately. Small right. Smoke. Thank you for joining us. R.I.P. Ned Stark. Uh, this was a great episode. So we'll see you guys again next week. All right.